What's up? How are y'all doing today? Super excited to be here with you guys. Like Pastor Eddie said, my name is Joey. I'm the student ministry director here at Grace Bible Church, and I am absolutely pumped to walk through the last service on prayer. Now, we started off about three weeks ago talking about the, the purpose of prayer. Sorry, I forgot it's all peas. And, and why it is that we pray, right? And I love the two points that we walked away from. We pray because we get to. We pray because we're called to. The next week, we walked through how we pray, the practice of prayer. And Pastor Tim straight up stole Nike's slogan, right? He said, just do it. Pray. Pray. Because what good is going through a series on prayer when we don't even pray? It made me think of a quote from Martin Luther, a reformer, who said, to be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Man, just pray. And then last week, we talked about the pursuit of prayer, when it is that we were supposed to pray. And all I took away from that was I need to buy a boat. <laughs> but Pastor Eddie used an analogy to talk about praying when we are burdened, when we need answers. Pray often. Pray when we're thankful. Pray all the time. Pray. Today, we are going to walk through the very last one, which is the provision of prayer. What it is that we are supposed to pray for and what God gives us through that. And the best place to look at this is Scripture. Right? And I want to open up to John 14, 14. It says this. This is Jesus talking. It says, if you ask me anything in my name, anything I'll do it. That's it. It's a wrap. We're done. That's all we have to pray for. We ask anything and we're good, right? No, that's not how it works. Think about that. I want to win the lottery in Jesus' name. Woo! Make it happen. <laughs> Lord, give me the sign to buy that $70,000 truck I have been wanting. In Jesus' name, amen. So it be done. Right? God. Please give me those six-pack abs in time for summer. In Jesus' name, I have faith. And it sounds silly. It really does. And I know that as I say that, I'm not the only one who's prayed those prayers. Let's be real. We've all said something like that at some point in time in our lives. But in reality, there's times that we pray Good prayers, honest prayers, prayers that aren't silly like that. And we don't get the response we want. The provision is not what we are after. I think about when I was about nine years old. I came home from school, and it was weird because my mom didn't park in the garage or in the driveway. She parked on the bottom, right in front of our house. And I saw my dad's maroon 1990-something Isuzu Trooper, this thing was ugly, but it was his truck, like he loved it. And next to his, his car in the garage, I saw this big pile of stuff, and I saw my dad putting stuff into his 
trunk of his Isuzu Trooper. And like any inquisitive nine-year-old, I walked up to my dad thinking, man, it's a Friday. He's got these bags. We're going to the beach. We're going camping. We're going somewhere. And I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, where are we going? And he looked at me as he threw in the last couple of bags and he says, you're not going anywhere. I'm leaving. And I stood there confused. My jaw was on the floor like, wait, what? He slams the door, he turns on his car, he takes off. And as I saw the taillights down the street, it hit me. He's leaving. He's not gonna be here anymore. And my heart broke. And I ran through the kitchen, through the dining room to my room. I slammed the door and through tears and like snot bubbles and like that weird breathing thing you do when you're crying really hard, that like thing, you know what I'm talking about? I prayed, God, bring him back. God, fix this marriage. God, bring my dad back. That wasn't the answer I got. And sometimes we pray these honest prayers for someone who's sick and they still die. Or we pray for that job and we don't get it. And we're heartbroken. And we're like, God, why? Because we think of verses like this and we take them out of context. We don't read the verse right beforehand. And if we look at what first John, or I'm sorry, John 14, 13 says, it says this. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Why? This is the important part. This is the part that we can't miss in John 14, 13. It says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, the problem is, church, a lot of times we pray prayers to glorify ourselves and not glorify God. And when we do that, we don't get the answer we want. Because if we're doing that, we want God to answer our prayer our way. Man, that's rough. And then Jesus says in verse 14, if you ask me anything that's going to glorify the Father, then I'm going to listen and I'm going to do it. It's dangerous to take verses out of context because some teachers do that. And we believe it because it feels good and it sounds good. James takes it a step further in James 4, verse 3. He says this, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, to glorify yourself, to get the things that you want more than you want God. Ooh, that hurt. The first time I read that, that hurt. I was like, man... Because if God is going to be answering our prayers, why would he answer them and give us the very thing that's going to take us away from him? God, give me money. God, give me that house, that truck. Give me the life that I want that's comfortable. God's will is very different. God calls us to live very, very differently. So, that gets us to the point, what are we supposed to pray for? Pastor Eddie said it, Mr. Alex said it, 
We have to pray for God's will. We see that in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have. We can approach God confidently that we, uh, that we have towards him that if we ask in anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked in him. If we pray according to God's will, not only will he answer it, but he will answer it with a resounding yes. But again, that doesn't answer the question like, dude, what is God's will? We know we have to pray for it. We know that's where our prayers should start. But Jesus gives us the best example of what that looks like. He does it in Matthew chapter 6. And this is a prayer that most of us know. This is a prayer that most of us can say backwards and forwards and upside down and in our sleep. Right? It's the Lord's prayer. This is a prayer that we have almost gotten to a point where we have said it so much it's lost its meaning. But let's walk through it, and then we're going to go piece by piece to talk about what it is that we should pray for. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. I think my verse here says, as we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. That's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said this is how you should pray and what you should pray for. And he breaks it down into four major parts. There's four things that we need to look at. And I want to pay attention to something super, super important. The first thing Jesus does, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He worships him. He adores him. He gives him credit for who he is. God is God and we are not. And in that, he sets the stage for what it is that we should pray for. First and foremost, we worship him. Second thing that we should pray for right here is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right off the bat, he's even saying it. God, I'm submitting myself to your will. That's how we should pray. That's the first thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done. No matter what, God's will will come to pass. And right after walking through what it looks like to adore him, he tells us that we need to pray for God's will. Still not super clear as to what that is yet, and that's okay. We're going to get there, but this is important. He's worshiping him. He's calling him holy. He's realizing and telling everybody, dude, God is sovereign. He is in control. He has got this, and when we as believers submit ourselves and pray the will of God, not only will we be okay with any circumstance that we are in, but we will be okay with any outcome that comes after it. Because God ordained it, decreed it, and made it happen. There's purpose and meaning in it. God is shaping us into who he needs us to be. And that comes through struggle, that comes through hard times, that comes through good times. But we are called to submit to the will of God, and that's my sermon point for you guys today. Your sermon point says, I must submit to the will of God and pray for things according to it. 
I must submit to the will of God and pray for things according to it. The rest of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus walks us through what it is that we should be praying for. Now, this is big picture. We're worshiping God. We've submitted to his will. And now we're going to pray for things to be happening within us. Not for us to get stuff, right? Not earthly things, but for us to be having work done in our hearts and in our spirit. In verse 11 of the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Here he's talking about providing our needs. I think of Christ when he walked the earth. He says, I don't even have a place to rest my head, but God's going to provide. God's going to give me every single thing that I need. And it's not about our wants, right? Because someone can look at that and even say, Lord, give me a million dollars. Let's go. But it's about our daily needs, and it's about being content in what it is that God has provided Because then we start comparing ourselves to other people and we have to keep up with the Joneses and we want more and we want more. And when we do that, guess what? We want stuff more than we want God. So we have to pray that not only God provides our needs, but celebrate the things that he has given us, not the things that he didn't. We have to be content in his provision and he will provide our every single need. I love what Paul says in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. This is coming right after like some of the most famous Christian verses, right? Like, I can do all things through Christ. This is just a few verses later. And he's saying this from jail. And he's praying for the Philippian people. He's praying for the church there. And he says, I pray that my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches found in Christ Jesus. To God Our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He's saying provide our needs. Provide your needs. And like I said, he's saying this from prison. He doesn't have anything. He's probably chained to a Roman soldier. But God will provide. The next thing that Jesus tells us to pray for. Man, this is a big one. And this is probably my biggest struggle, I'll be real. Because I know that there's people in here that are like me that can hold a grudge like nobody's business. We hold on to that. But Jesus calls us to forgive and forgive our debts as we forgive others who trespass against us, as we forgive our debtors Again, we've said this prayer so many times that I think some of us lose sight of the fact that that's conditional. Forgive us as we forgive. Ouch. If you're sitting here holding a grudge today, that's something you definitely need to work out. Because I can tell you right now, when I read that and that hit me for the first time, man, that was rough. We see it again in Mark 11, verse 25. It says, and whatever, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is also in heaven may forgive you. Again, it's crazy. It's conditional. And I think of even the parable of the unforgiving servant. 
If you don't know it, here's the Cliff Notes version, right? This guy owes the king like millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, and the king forgives him because he can't pay it. And then homie turns around and goes out into the street and sees somebody that owes him like a hundred bucks. And he beats him, and he wants to throw him in jail because he can't pay. The king hears about this, and he's like, wait a minute, bring him in. And he's like, dude, I forgave you. Why didn't you forgive him? And he ends up throwing him into jail, right? We are called as believers to be a reflection of Christ's love and the forgiveness that was given to us at the cross. And how can we ever show Christ's love and show what it looks like to be forgiven if we're too busy being bitter, if we're too busy holding a grudge? Even more than that, we're not only called to forgive others. How many of, in, of you guys in here have sin that you're struggling with and you can't forgive yourself? Again, how can we be a reflection of God's love and forgiveness when we can't forgive ourselves? And we're holding us above what Christ did because really, truly, honestly, we don't think he did a good enough job if we can't forgive ourselves. Ouch. We're called to pray for God's will. We're called to pray for God's provision. We're called to pray for forgiveness. And then finally, we're called to pray for the salvation and sanctification of ourselves and of others. We said it right at the beginning. If we take a look at Matthew 6, 13, it says this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right there, he's talking about sin. Don't let us fall into sin. That's our sanctification. Now, that's a really big theological term. I get that. We're going to walk through it. It's turning away from our sin so that we can look more and more and more like Jesus every single day. The book of Romans says, don't be conformed to the image of the world, but be conformed to the image of Christ be made more and more like him. And that's something we need to pray for, church, because I'm gonna be honest with you, that's not something that we can do on our own. That's a struggle. That's tough. And in the middle of temptation, in the middle of our sin, we are called to lean on God for strength to get us through. And... As I walked through all of this, as I looked at all of this, I was like, man, that's some deep stuff. That's heavy stuff. We're called to pray for salvation of other people. We're called to pray that God step into other people's lives using people like us to share the gospel. We're called to pray for understanding and wisdom in that. Man. Through all of this, though, through praying for God's will, through praying for sanctification and salvation and praying for forgiveness and praying for provision, praying for God to give us our needs, right? I was looking at that and I was like, my mind was blown. And then as I was studying and I was looking at that verse that we went through from the Philippians earlier, I was looking through what Paul said in Philippians 4, 11. And I realized Paul put this together beautifully, right? In Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul says this. 
He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am, I need to be content. That's contentment right there. I know what it is like to be brought low. I know what it is like to abound, to have a ton of stuff. I know what it is like in any and every circumstance, I have learned that the secret to facing anything, right, and Paul lists a bunch of stuff, hunger, uh, abundance, need, the secret to facing anything is God. And that's where we get this verse, this verse that we say over and over again. We see it on caps and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can overcome any situation through Christ because he's the one who gives me strength. Now, church, I got to tell you this. As awesome as it is to pray for forgiveness and pray for our needs and pray for all of these things, the one thing that God has provided through prayer, it's nothing that this world can give us. You see, the one thing that God gives us through prayer is him, a relationship with him. And it's only when we have that relationship with him, it's only when we understand that he is good and he is faithful and he is gracious and he is merciful that we can be content in any situation. It's only when we know that he's working through that to make us more like his son Jesus that we can be okay when we don't have anything. It's only when we understand that he sent his son to the cross to pay for our sins, that we're able to see other people the way he sees us. That's when forgiveness gets so much easier. When we start to realize that even though we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us and show his love that way. And man, it makes it so much easier to share the gospel because we trust him because we know, again, how good he has been. And we know that no matter what happens, we can be okay with it. Okay with any situation we find ourselves in and okay with any outcome at the end of it. And the reason that Paul was able to say this, from jail, with nothing to his name, except the chain that put him next to a Roman soldier, day in and day out, is because he labored in prayer. 2 Corinthians 1.11 says that. And he calls us to do that too. Labor in prayer with me, brothers and sisters. Because he knows it's hard. It's not easy. We get busy and we let the urgent things get in the way of the important. We get it. Let it get in the way of praying to God. And he called others, like I said, to, to pray with him, to labor in prayer with him. And he prayed without ceasing, and God made himself known to Paul through that. And that's how he was able to know that he had God and that God was enough. He didn't need anything else. 
And church, as we pray, as we move on from this, like I said earlier, my prayer is that it is not just four weeks. We read through some scriptures, we talked about prayer, we closed the book and we're done and we don't go about praying. No, no, this is a call, church, for you guys to lean on God. First thing in the morning, throughout the day, in the evening, at night, in the car, wherever you are, lean on God for that relationship with him because we know, just like Paul, that if we do that, we have God, and God is enough. Let's pray. Father, once again, we come before you to thank you for how good you have been to us, for how kind and how merciful you are to us in the face of whatever it is that we are going through. Lord, my prayer is that as we look back on this series, once again, it becomes a call to action. My prayer is that whoever is listening to this and whoever can't listen to this and just whoever, God, anywhere learns to pray and trust you and grow in a relationship with you. Father, we thank you that your son Jesus modeled this so often on mountainsides and in back alleys and gardens, Father, where he leaned on you and he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. God, we thank you once again for your grace and your mercy that was poured out on the cross and shown to us by your son, Jesus. And we pray all of these things in his precious and holy name. Amen. Love you, church.